The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh, and she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. All right. Welcome to a brand new week, and the best part about it is it's already Tuesday. <laughs> Love it when that happens. You know, it's not only the beginning of the week and Tuesday, so Gotta Laugh is here. Yeah, she's here today. It's also the first day of June, and it's not only the first day of June. Yesterday was Memorial Day, which is the unofficial beginning of summer. Can you feel it? Um, yeah. So that happened. Let's see. Today is also you know, the 41st anniversary of CNN. But bigger than that, today is the 100th anniversary of the massacre in Tulsa. And, you know, I don't even feel that stupid saying that I didn't even know about that until last year. Because it was never taught in the schools. You know, a few weeks ago, I spoke to the author of a book, um, Oh, maybe it was Maisie Hirono, um, and talking about the Japanese internment camps. I was never taught that as a kid in school. You know, you hear the, the arguments from the Trumpers screaming about, what do they call it, you know, uh, critical race theory or something. They don't want our children to be educated as to the true history of this country. They want some whitewashed fairy tale version. And sorry, that's just not us. This this nation has some dirty laundry. And it's all part of what makes us who we are. And that's why we need to learn about these things. So it makes me it makes me proud that we now have a president who actually is in Tulsa today. And just a few minutes ago, he wrapped up this speech that was so good. I wish I could play the whole thing for you, but it's too long. I even recorded the last few minutes as I'm listening and saying, this is really good. I should be recording this. And I recorded some of it. Let me just share a couple of minutes with you because it really was good. And, you know, to everyone who screams about Joe Biden's uh, mental acuity, um, stop echoing the right-wing talking points. He's old, so he's not as quick as he maybe used to be. But I don't hear a, a, a demented old man when he speaks. And actually, today he was kind of funny. So here's just a couple of minutes of, of uh, what Joe Biden said, starting with a really important point. Those fields at night, Virginia, with lighted torches. Oh, wait a minute. Um, this, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to play it for, that wasn't the part I wanted to cue into. Shoot. House it passed in the Senate. All right. Here we My go. administration will soon lay out our broader strategy to counter domestic terrorism and the violence driven by the most heinous hate crimes and other forms of vigor. You know, the part where I wanted to pick it up, I'm so mad at myself because I thought I cued, I thought I saved it from the point that I cued it into. And apparently I didn't, but just a little bit of oxygen by his leaders. Yeah. It oh, comes well. out of just, there. We'll just listen for a few minutes like from here. It was happening again as if it nev- never went away. And so, folks, we can't. We must not give hate a safe harbor. As I said in my address to the Joint Session of Congress, according to the intelligence this is community, where, this is where I wanted to pick it up. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not white supremacy. ISIS. Not Al-Qaeda, 
white supremacists. Yep. That's not me. That's the intelligence community. Yeah. Under both Trump and under my administration. Two weeks ago, I signed into law the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which yeah, the House did. passed in the Senate. Right. My administration will soon lay out our broader strategy to counter domestic terrorism and the violence driven by the most heinous hate crimes and other forms of bigotry. But I'm going to close where I started. To Mother Randall, Mother Fletcher, Mr. Van Ellis, to the descendants and to all survivors, thank you. Thank you for giving me the honor of being able to spend some time with you earlier today. Thank you, Thank you for your to everyone who voted Thank out the orange commitment. menace who never Thank would have delivered a speech like this. Your grandchildren and your uncle and your nieces and your nephews. To see and learn from you is a gift, a genuine gift. Hmm. Dr. John Hope Franklin, one of America's greatest historians, Tulsa's proud son, whose father was a Greenwood survivor, said, and I quote, Whatever you do, it must be done in the spirit of goodwill and mutual respect and even love. What a How concept. else can we overcome the past and be worthy of our forebears and face the future with confidence and with hope? On this sacred and solemn day, may we find that distinctly Greenwood spirit that defines the American spirit, a spirit that gives me so much confidence and hope for the future that helps us see face to face as fully who we are and who we can be as a people and as a nation. I've never been more optimistic about the future than I am today. Oh, I'm glad he is. I'm glad he is. I'd play more for you. And he actually got kind of funny after this, but you know, we, we only have an hour here. So, um, Maybe I'll find the entirety of the speech and post it on the blog with today's show because it really is worth, if not listening to the whole thing straight through, you know, skipping around and listening to bits and pieces because it was quite a speech. Um, you know what? Let me just go to the very end because I was impressed. And, you know, I don't impress easily. My colleagues in the Senate used to always kid me because I was always quoting Irish poets. They think I did it because I'm Irish. They think I did it because, as we Irish, we have a little chip on our shoulder mm-hmm. a little bit sometimes. That's not why I did it. I did it because they're the best poets in the world. <laughs> you can smile. It's okay. It's true. Hey, he's being Joe. He's, he's just poet being Joe. Who wrote a poem called The Curate Troy, Seamus Heaney. And there's a stanza in it that I think is the definition of what I think should be our call today for young people. He said, History teaches us not to hope on this side of the grave, but then, once in a lifetime, that longed-for tidal wave of justice rises up. If only. And hope and history rhyme. Hmm. Let's make it rhyme. Yes, Thank you. Let's make it rhyme. Um, you know, good, good for him um, and good for us because if the other guy, the former guy, was in office right now, uh, I think today would be wholly different. It would be a very different day. And instead, we are embracing the fact that as a nation, we've been less than honest about our history. We need to be honest. Honest first in all walks of life. You know, and, th- and that's the difference. 
they don't tell the truth about anything. Yesterday, so yesterday I wasn't here. It was Memorial Day. And I reached back into the archives and I pulled out a show from October of 2014. And the occasion was, um, my guest on that day was famed um, uh, Helter Skelter, Manson prosecutor Vincent Bugliosi. And I played that because I always loved the interviews with him. But on this day, we were talking about a book that he wrote. And, and that on this occasion, a film was released, a companion film. And the book was The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. Vince Bugliosi went through and mapped out the entire case to prosecute Bush for the war that killed at the time, it was something like uh, close to 50,000 Americans who were sent off to die in this war that was not justified, the war in Iraq. And he, he put together the case and gave it. He said, any prosecutor in the country who will prosecute this case, you have, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have standing to do so. You're a prosecutor. And if, if one person died from your jurisdiction, you have standing to bring this case. Nobody did. But he laid out the case of why that President Bush, who who in hindsight, next to Trump, looks almost okay. He was not. He was far from okay. Um, and, and that's what, going back to that, brought me back to that mindset. George W. Bush lied about everything. Now, Donald Trump is the gold medal liar. Nobody even comes close to his lying prowess. But the Republican Party led up to Donald Trump. Remember that. He didn't happen in a vacuum. He was nurtured and grown and watered and nurtured some more, so he became what he did. And those people who follow him, who now, today, are once again saying, oh, oh, Donald Trump is going to be reinstated in August. And Trump is saying it too, because they lie with every breath they take. They don't know the difference. Lying comes naturally to them. Lying out of their mouths comes as naturally as lying down does for somebody who's tired and needs to go to sleep. And there's something seriously wrong there. You know, for years, I always said, yeah, sure, I'll interview a right-winger or a Republican, but I insist on ground rules. I insist on stipulating to the facts. And that's what today's Republicans will not do. They won't stipulate to any facts. They won't stipulate to the fact that the sky is blue and the grass is green. They lie about everything, and the gaslighting is just getting... Michael Flynn... Yeah, the former Trump's former um, uh, director of uh, national intelligence, right? That's who Michael Flynn was. Um, Michael Flynn, uh, 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 okay. Uh, Michael Flynn was. Um, 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 sorry, I'm uh, got a brain fart. Michael Flynn went. Uh, there was there was a a conference last weekend, a QAnon convention. Can you believe that? QAnon, the thing we were laughing about a couple of years ago, because how absurd is it? Now they have a convention, and and I think more Republicans believe that QAnon is a real thing rather than the. The, the, I, I want to say joke, but there's nothing funny about it. Rather than the really sick growth 
on our society that it is. So Michael Flynn is asked a question at this um, uh, convention, at this gathering of QAnon crazies. I want to know why what happened in Minamar Minamar happened here. Myanmar, but okay, who's counting? No reason. I mean, it should happen here. No reason. No reason. It should happen here. No reason. That's what Michael Flynn said. But because these people are raised on gaslighting, they have no compunction in saying, you're going to believe me or your lying ears. I didn't say that. In fact, what he said was, um, um, he said... (laughs) that uh, he had not encouraged any act of violence or any military insurrection. In fact, he said that um, uh, he said no American should advocate or support the violent overthrow of the United States. We just heard him. And he and his lawyer, I guess, is who Sidney Powell, that woman, is also saying he didn't say that. She accused the media of grossly distorting his words. We don't have to distort anything. We have his words right here. Right here. Right here. <laughs> right here. You know, yeah. No reason. I mean, it, it should happen here. No reason. It right. should happen here. No reason. So the gaslighting is just, yeah, he said, let me be very clear. This is Flynn today. In a, in a in a post on Telegram, which is I guess where he's now posting, because I don't th- I think he was kicked off of Twitter too. He wrote, "Let me be very clear, all capitalized, very clear. There is no reason whatsoever for any coup in America, and I do not, and I have not at any time called for any action of that sort." We just heard you. We're not the crazy ones. And we need to call out the gaslighting when they gaslight and the bullshit when they try to bullshit. It's not okay. So to have a president and, you know, again, I feel I hate that I have to qualify this. Joe Biden was not my first choice. I'm pleasantly surprised at how much I am with him. There are a few things now that I'm, I'm, I'm mortified about. So good. We can talk about that. I do have criticisms of him. It's not all, you know sunshine and light, but um, just look at where we were. And the fact that he will call, say the sky is blue and the grass is green, and that today is the 100th anniversary of this massacre. He said, what did he say? He said it wasn't a riot. It was a massacre. It wasn't a riot. The white haters came in to the town green, green, Green Lawn, Greenville, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it, to this part of Tulsa, the, the Black Wall Street, and firebombed the place. They killed everyone in sight. Um, and Joe Biden's not afraid to admit it. Donald Trump says, don't talk about the 1619 Project. God forbid we tell our children the truth. Ugh. All right. There's other things happening today, too. You know, today is um, June 1st. It's the start of hurricane season. <laughs> Aren't we lucky? Yeah, it runs through the end of November, in case you were wondering. Down here in South Florida, we know that. 
In fact, the house behind us, there are new neighbors there. They've got one of those big coconut palms. And I don't think anyone told them they have to hire someone to crawl all the way, climb all the way up and take those coconuts down. Because if we do get hit with a hurricane, those things are cannonballs. They go flying. So, David, you want to go talk to the new neighbors? Um, today is June 1st. It's also Pride Month. And President Biden today signed the proclamation recognizing June as Pride Month, as it should be, right? And I'm guessing that tonight the White House will be lit up in the rainbow colors, as it should be. Now, let me give you an example of what Trump world does. Today, June 1st, first day of Pride Month, our governor down here in Florida, uh, more on death sentence, he celebrated the beginning of Pride Month by signing the law prohibiting transgender women from participating in any scholastic sports. It is opposite world. Oh, there's so much more we can talk about. But um, you know what? Uh, we should bring Laffy in because you don't need to hear me talking about it alone when we've got got a laugh standing by. Oh, shoot. And I forgot to set up her bank again. So her sound bank. When I say bank, I don't mean, I'm not talking money. So I got to play the intro from over here. So um, uh, with no further ado, take it away, Lauren Mayer and the original Laffy. <laughs> theme song. If the news gives you the blues, here's the perfect place to go. It's Tuesdays with Carla and Nicole Sandler Show. <laughs> yeah, and I have to um, get our little show shot in there, or card uh, shot, because it features the lovely portraits of of the one and only Jackson and Hammy. And there's Laffy. Hey! Listen, I nearly didn't even make it here today. I mean, after a week of watching Republican legislatures destroy democracy, I was at the lost and found looking for my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, rimshot time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Did you find it? (laughs) No, I have no mind. And what's left of it is in little tatters (laughs) left over from 2020. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. I mean, everything you talked about. I'm, you know, just... Oh, and this is even better. I didn't know. Kay Park in the YouTube chat room says DeSantis signed the bill at Trinity Christian School in Jacksonville. Of course he did. He's such an ass. God, he's just and and bigoted ass. Horrible. Horrible. And the fact that, you know, he's his name is being bandied about like if if Trump doesn't run, he's next in line. Well, you know, first of all, be careful what you wish for, Trumpers, because he's. Um, but, but what they're not talking about is actually Ron DeSantis isn't next in the polls. You know who is? Who? Mike Pence. Mike Pence. (sighs) Mike Pence, who they ran screaming into the Capitol, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. And the person- Or as I like to call him, former VP Pius McKissass. Exactly. And, you know, Trump's still bad-mouthing him. So the fact that Mike Pence- is leading in the polls after the orange one. Um, I find encouraging in a sense in that <laughs> they're, it's you a know, sympathy vote. No, I think it's just a, a break in their in their wall of stupidity or something. I mean, oh, look, I think Mike Pence it, is stupid. Mike Pence would be a horrible choice for president. <laughs> yeah. But at least they're not, you know, hanging on every one of Trump's words is what I'm saying. It's not. No, right. You know, but I, I think they feel sorry because he almost got hung. 
Um, it's the only time he'd be well hung. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Don't that out oh, wait. What did I'm you so say? Sorry. It's the only time he'd be what? Was he the- well hung? <laughs> <laughs> Two in one show. That's there you good. go. There you go. <laughs> I there. You know, there's other stuff going on today too. I I have like a whole list. Do you remember Larry King used to write a column in USA Today, and it was all yeah. just stream of consciousness. And I would look at it incredulous and she's like he gets paid to do that I could do that and I started before the show there's so much so many stories that I did something similar I have a list of so many different things we can talk about so I guess what we should do is go through you know your tweets and stuff and then I have I have more because oh, there's okay. so there's so me. much going on so you want to uh, let loose the birdies the birdies okay um here we go let loose the birdies! Woo-hoo. Welcome to my tweet So Twitter is all a Twitter today. Um, yes. And you know what? I got I got to start on this one because, and I don't know if you pulled it or not. Did you pull the, the tweet about uh, Ken Klippenstein? No, I saw it though. Okay. So Ken Klippenstein, and, and this is this is so perfect because... This is not the first year he's done something like this. Ken Klippenstein writes for uh, The Intercept. He used to be with The Nation and a few other places. But a few years ago, when when Steve King, remember that bigot who was uh, in, in Congress from um, uh, from Iowa, and and so Steve Watermelon Calves or yes. Calves King. Yes, Steve Watermelon Watermelon Calves. Catter, catter. Cantaloupe. No, it was cantaloupe. Cantaloupe calves. Yeah, yeah, he said that the smugglers, like all the, the Latinos, up. had calves the size of cantaloupes because they smuggled drugs in across the border. This, right. He, he was, he, he, he was, he was outwardly racist. Oh, I mean, he was outwardly racist. Oh, he all was, over the place. he was a special kind of racist. Anyway, oh, yeah. so a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, um, it was on, uh, was it on Memorial Day as well? Yeah, uh, it was Memorial Day or Veterans Day. I'm I'm trying to see. So, um, 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 Ken Klippenstein puts out a, a tweet, and he he tweeted to Steve King, and he says, "Sir, can I get a retweet from my uncle, Colonel Nathan Jessup? He's in the Marines and spending the fourth oh, it's Fourth of July, fourth overseas, keeping our nation safe." And Steve King. Did He retweeted it with his own message, and he said, Colonel Jessup and all your Marines, God bless you all. You have our back, and millions of us have yours. God bless America and all her warriors defending our liberty, SK, which is Steve King. Um, yeah. Yeah, Colonel Nathan Jessup, and there's a picture, too. Sorry, I should have pulled it and had it up on the screen for you. The picture, I wonder if I've got it here, I bet. The picture is um, of... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's of Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. That was his character. It was the, you can't handle the truth. That was him. That's who Colonel Jessup is. So, so, so Ken Klippenstein has done this kind of punking of figures before. So fast forward to today. Or yesterday, sorry, it's Memorial Day, right? So yesterday's Memorial Day. And Ken Klippenstein um, tags a few people in his Memorial Day uh, tweet. And uh, one of them is Matt Schlapp, who, you know, American conservative uh, union CPAC. He's the CPAC guy. Um, Another was Matt Gates. Another was Dinesh D'Souza. 
And just in case you were wondering, all three of them, and Candace Owens too, all fell for it. Um, well, Candace Owens didn't, but what he picked, what he what he tweeted was. Uh, hold on, let me let me pull this one over again. It's it's not pretty, but if you're watching it, on the video, it was another sir moment. Which oh I my loved. god, it was a great sir moment. So here <laughs> is um, the photograph that he tweeted, and if it looks familiar, maybe it should. Um, uh, so Ken Klippenstein writes, Matt Schlapp, sir, my grandpa's a big fan of yours and is a veteran. He would be thrilled if you could retweet this photo of him for Memorial Day. Here he is as a young private first class. Happy Memorial Day. And so Matt Schlapp, <laughs> here's, the, here's the tweet, the reply. He retweeted and he wrote, wow, at Ken Klippenstein. It's my honor to retweet the photo of a veteran on a day we remember his fallen friends. God bless your grandfather and the flag. Problem is... Um, this picture, does he look familiar at all? Because he should, because that is Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) (laughs) And he was a private first class. And so it was an actual photograph of him. That was his military picture. But um, uh, yeah, not only did Matt Schlapp fall for it, um, uh, Candace Owens called him out on it, but in a very funny way, because she she didn't get it either. Chuck Woolery retweeted it, and <laughs> he, he blocks me. Yeah, and and so funny. Be- before um, uh, Ken Klippenstein momentarily changed his screen name on Twitter to Chuck will get a clue in two and two. <laughs> that's great. It's oh, that's just so good. it's just perfect. That's it so is good. just. So perfect. So that's Ken Klippenstein of The Intercept. And, you know, good on him. It just, just perfect. It was just perfect. It was just perfect. There you go. <laughs> what was it perfect, though? It was perfect. It was great. It was just the <laughs> ultimate um, um, punk. It was just, and, you know, Matt Schlapp should know better. Ken Klippenstein's been around for a while, and he's a really yeah, good journalist, yeah. and he oh, yeah. goes for the jugular. And um, <laughs> and Matt Gates, he got Matt Gates too, who retweeted it. Um, wow. What what Candace Owens said was, "You are making a mockery of a day that is meant to memorialize men that died, so that you and other anti-American leftists can laugh at their sacrifices by sh- photoshopping a." Hold on, I'm I'm clicking through to get the the whole thing because it's too good. Um, by photoshopping a. Uh, murderer into their uniforms. You are deranged, as in any person, <laughs> as is any person applauding your efforts. And then Ken Clippenside said, "Would not have guessed you cared so much about being politically correct." And then she wrote back. She said, "It's not political correctness to have a soul and a modicum of decency. Remember, these men died, the majority of them on foreign soil, so that you could be free. You do not Photoshop murderers in their uniforms so that you can have a laugh." And he writes, "Um." Uh, I, for one, believe in free speech. But the other part is, nothing was photoshopped. That was him in his military right. uniform. No need for Photoshop. So anyway, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love it too. So having fun day. with Twitter today. Fun with Twitter. Okay, well, here's what Twitter. I've got. Okay. Oh, oh, so I'm getting all serious now. Okay, okay. Now we get um, serious. I have to be sure. This is me being serious, and I have to move this this square of you and me because I can't read my own tweet. Okay, so I tweeted this yesterday, and it got a bunch of response. 
I mean, like, good, you know, yeah, a lot of retweets yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, because I keep saying this, and I wish more people would, and more people are beginning to, but I'm going to say it again now, and I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. I wish people would stop only framing the laws that Republican legislators are passing as, quote, making it harder to vote. Yeah. Because they're also making it easier to overturn elections and install their candidate. That's way more threatening. I keep hearing how another blue wave will overcome voter suppression laws, but even a Democratic landslide won't matter if Republican legislatures can flip election results. You know, that's very true. And that's what we need to be concerned about. This is what, you know, this is why... The filibuster has got to go. And so, you know, the last time we were together was Friday afternoon. And um, the, the, the last order of business on Friday before the Senate broke for the holiday was the first filibuster of the 117th Congress. And it was um, at forming a commission to investigate January 6th. And the fact is that um, <laughs> two people didn't show up. To vote, two Democrats. There were eleven who didn't vote in total, and I get the Republicans who didn't want to go on the record, so they were chicken shit. But Patty Murray of Washington State and Kirsten Cinema, both of them. I'm sorry, I still have not heard a a reasonable excuse for either one of them. Patty Murray said, "With I thought was, I'm sorry, unless somebody's dying." There's nothing more important right now. The Capitol was attacked by these people. Yes. There's nothing more. And we don't have one vote to spare. As for cinema, oh, her spokesperson came out today and said, well, if she were there, she would have voted in favor of it. I don't care. She wasn't there. Where was she? And you can't get through to her office. They don't answer the phone. Of course so, not. Why would they? You know, what's hanging in the balance right now is the Voting Rights Act and um, S-1 and the John Lewis um, Voting Rights Act, which is different from well, the... Well, let me, let me okay. get into that. Okay, please. You gave me a great segue. Cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, my own tweet again, if you'll forgive it, but it's just okay. information. I was watching TV, yeah. which I do a lot, by the way. And um, I, just as I feared, uh, Neil Katyal was on and he said this. He, 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 well, he basically, as I said in the tweet, just threw cold water all over my followers' hope that the federal government can get us out of the voting rights atrocities that the Republicans are throwing at us. Now, a lot of people, because I've said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and uh, you know, if they can overturn elections, what good does it do if we have a blue wave? And my followers are going, hey, we have a Justice Department. And I'm like, uh, can they really do anything? And Katyal said, well, yeah, probably not because he he argued, or or he said in two, you know in 2013 I don't know if it was him arguing but in 2013 of course SCOTUS gutted the Voting Rights Act and now they're more to the right than they were in 2013 and they are not likely to rule in our favor and Katyal basically said hey Congress this is in your court pass S one right because that's the only thing that's going to fix this what they're doing state to state methodically making it so that they can overturn elections as long as they have the right reality denial list in in office the right trumper in office and that's what they're doing all those legislatures all over the country have basically, you know, has, how they stack the courts. Well, they've stacked their legislatures. They've stacked their governor's uh, offices. So basically, they're doing 
what we would do, you know, uh, only we wouldn't be dirty about it. Uh, they, they're passing stuff that they want. If, if we had all the houses and, and the presidency like we do now, if we had all the houses and the governorships like we do in California, mm-hmm. um, then we would pass things that we love. But the problem with this is what they're passing is anti-democracy in action. What they're passing is the end of this country as we know it. What they're passing is uh, voter suppression and overturning elections outright, not even beating around the bush about it. Hi, look what we're doing. That's what they're doing. So how do we stop it? Well, from everything I'm hearing, the only way to stop it is to pass pass our legislation uh, in in the Senate. You're absolutely right. The way it's looking now it ain't going to happen because we've got Mansion. Well, I heard Cinnamon. Cinnamon. <laughs> I heard Cinema uh, is for S one. Um, but, but would she turn up, show up to vote for it? But that, you know, yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. The I thing. Mean, we we can't count on them. No. We have such such narrow margins. They're teensy tiny little margins. Yep. How do we do this? So uh, so. I don't see how we get around it. I don't either. You know, and, and, you know, so today Joe Biden spoke in Tulsa. Yesterday he spoke at Arlington for Memorial Day. And he, you know, normally, and if things were normal, he wouldn't have gone here. But just keep in mind, I'm going to play you a short 40 second clip from Biden's speech yesterday at Arlington. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, he's saying this on Memorial Day. The mission falls to each of us each and every day. Democracy itself is in peril. Democracy itself Here is at in home peril. And around the world, right? What we do now, what we do now, how we honor the memory of the fallen will determine whether or not democracy will long endure. Democracy thrives when the infrastructure of democracy is strong. When people have the right to vote freely and fairly and conveniently. Mm-hmm. When a free and independent press pursues the truth founded on facts, not propaganda. When the rule of law applies equally and fairly to every citizen, regardless of where they come from, what they look like. That's when we have freedom. That and that was so important. I, I cut out his breaths. That's why it sounded so choppy because I, you know, for a oh, time. But that. but um, you know, he's talking about the our very democracy is at risk. Um, normally on Memorial Day, he would talk about the fallen soldiers, which he did. But to bring this into that, it's because he had to, because you have no choice at this point but to bring those questions, those concerns into the fore. We need to be talking about this stuff. We need to be doing more than just talking about it. They need to pass S-1 in the John Lewis Act. We need to do something or... I don't care, you know, it was Friday, but when um, a guy Saperstein was on the show, who's a friend of ours, mutual friend, who, mm-hmm. you know, believes that it's going to be a blowout for the Democrats, um, except that the Republicans fight dirty. Right. And, and while we may win, look, the it Democrats... It won't matter if we win a landslide exactly. if they overturn the results. It doesn't matter if we, you know, if there's 47 states that have these laws or mm-hmm. trying to. Yep. And we win and we go, yay, look at that. We overcame the yeah. voter suppression, um, which is great. We want to do that. Yes. But then the Republican legislatures turn around and say, well, that that's interesting. We we decided we're not going to count your votes and we're going to hand it over to our own electors or we're going to hand it, we're going to say that it was uh, faulty or we're going to, whatever they're going to do. 
and we're going to dump the results and we're going to do it over or whatever they, I don't know what they, you know, what kind of tricks they have. Then it doesn't matter if we have a blue wave. Right. And so what what they tried to do in Texas over the weekend, now this is really important and I hope everyone knows what happened. So in Texas, it was the end of their legislative session and the last order of business was to um, pass this, this voter suppression um, uh, law. And basically one of the, one of the provisions in it puts someone in power who can just overturn the, the election without having to provide, without having to provide any proof that, that there was wrongdoing there. All right, caller, hold on just a minute. Cause I want to share this with you. So what they did was, um, it was, it was towards the end of the night. They were voting on it. The Democrats together got up and walked out because by walking right. out they they denied the house the of quorum. of a quorum so they couldn't they couldn't take a vote that action left the majority without the quorum they needed to vote the bill would have made mail in voting more difficult ban early voting on sunday mornings uh prohibit lo- local election officials from sending out absentee ballots uh to anyone who hasn't or or application for an absentee ballot to people who haven't specifically requested them and it would put somebody in office who could overturn an election without showing proof. That's the one. Right. That is the one to focus on. Right. And so they walked out. The deadline was midnight. That's when the session ended. And so now Greg Abbott, the governor, is saying, I'm going to call them back for a special session. Well, I heard an interview today with one of the state Democrats, one of the Democratic uh, House members, I guess, who said, well, isn't that interesting? Because Greg Abbott couldn't be uh, push to to call a special session to deal with Hurricane Harvey, the the right. whole state losing power during a snowstorm. For none of these emergencies would he call a special session to deal with, but for a political thing like this, he wants to call a special session. Now he's threatening to hold back their pay for walking Which out. They're saying they need to take to court because it's illegal, right? And it's, so, it's but wrong. this is what but, they're doing, and they're doing it state after state after state. But Texas, uh, there's been a couple of the Texas Democrats who have come on TV and said, guys, uh, in in the Senate, we need you. We can't do this. any. This is as much as we can do. We need you to pass S1. Every road leads to S1. Right. Filibuster, uh, get rid of the filibuster, vote in S1. I don't see how we overcome those obstacles. I really don't. I don't know. I mean, somebody said to me today on Twitter, well, we can make deals with yeah. people who would, no. you know, like mansion or something. I said, there's got to be some deals because so far uh, we haven't seen them budge. Yeah. And the thing is, Joe Manchin still is holding on to, uh, mm-hmm. says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to divide right. this country. It's already divided. I'm not going to destroy our government. No, you're going to stand by and let the Republicans do it. And you are aiding and abetting the destruction of our, our, our democracy. Good and job, he see Joe. It that way. No, he, he sees that he thinks destroying democracy is getting rid of the filibuster, and he's worried about what'll happen when the Republicans are in office. But right now, we got to play it our way. We can't worry about what the Republicans are going to do because they're already doing it. Uh-huh. They're already doing it. Everything he's worried about, 
they're doing now. That's and right. anything that comes later we'll deal with once we fix everything right. and win elections and then we can, you know, to hell with the Republicans. Anyway, on to the next one because my head's going to explode. Okay. I don't know about you, but my head's like right now there's embers <laughs> like, there? that are flaming okay. up. And well, I let me, we, we've got a caller on the line, so let me know oh. when you want to go. I, I believe, I well, I think it's Roger in Minneapolis. Is that you, Roger? It is indeed, and I'll keep this very quick because I don't want to step on your time okay. uh, with Lassie. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, I uh, wanted to mention, first of all, how glad I am to hear Laffy's voice. Yeah. I had come Aww. to looking forward to Tuesday afternoons um, for, for, for quite a long time now, I think a matter of a couple of years, I always looked forward to Tuesday afternoons Aww. when you would get together Yay. with Laffy. So you so can see this. Back. She's giving you a heart. She's doing a heart hand oh, signal. I made a little heart with yeah. my hands. So, so really, I'm. Uh, you guys have a great chemistry together, and it's and it's really delightful to hear you back, Lappy. Yeah, the other thing you. that I wanted to touch on is Mr. Saperstein last week. Yes. I listened very carefully to every word he said. He offered no basis whatsoever for his assertion, as far as I could tell. Zero. Right. I am. I, I. My hair's on fire about this situation, uh-huh. and I'm glad uh-huh. your guys is too. Did you hear anything from Mr. Saperstein to, to to bolster his argument? No, and he insists that mm-hmm. that that he was mad at me for bringing on the guest who came on afterwards. But who? And then he said that I I offered up ten reasons why, and he didn't address one of them. And actually, he didn't offer up ten reasons why. He, he did. <laughs> I didn't and um, I tried to ask him privately about this um, overturning the legislature, uh, I'm sorry, the legislature's overturning the elections and how that factors into his thinking. And he pretty much just said, well, I'm not a, a legal expert, a constitutional legal Law expert. expert. Yeah. And I said, well, Neil Katyal is. <laughs> Neil Katyal, yeah, I said Neil Katyal is. And I explained what he said. And he didn't answer me, you know. Uh, with anything specific either. So I hope he's right. I would love for him to be right. I love his optimism. I love that he's so uh, enthusiastic But let me tell you you this. My husband, David, agrees more with Guy than with our other guest. And his reason is that, uh, different from what Guy's reason is, because he sees the Republican Party imploding. They are are hemorrhaging members, right? They're, they're, They're embracing the batshit crazy, right? The mm-hmm. fact that they had this QAnon convention this weekend, seriously, especially on Memorial Day, really? Um, and he thinks the party's going to implode. And especially if, when, knocking on wood laminate, the indictments start coming, hopefully that will be the, the final nail in the coffin. And, and he could be right. Um, how will that be the nail in the coffin if the legislatures are passing these oh, things? Oh, well, that's the thing. If the legislature, even... What, here, what, here's David. You, you tell us, David. What did you David, say? explain. If you're taking my name in vain, I would like to defend myself. <laughs> oh. Yes, I do see the Republicans self-destructing and, and doing the best job they possibly can to do so. And as to Laffey's concern, you and I have had this discussion before. Yeah. Men and women work their asses off mm-hmm. to get themselves to the point of being appointed to the federal bench. And despite their ideological bent, generally once they get there, they tend to rule more to the center. And I would say that is true not only of right-wing judges, but of left-wing judges. The left-wingers never turn out to be as left-wing as we would want them to be. Right. And I believe that if a case comes before either the Supremes or any of these uh, uh, district courts or 
other courts, state well, not so much state courts, but, but the, the federal courts. Right. right. If a case comes before them where a state has tried to overturn an election for no reason whatsoever, I don't believe they will stand for it. All right. So you're you're banking on the courts. I'm not. So he That's is. He's saying people have their reputations and they don't want to go down in history. I hope you're right. As I, that's the only thing we have left. Right. And I don't know. If, I mean, I think the state courts, you know, like I know Mark Elias can win anything, it seems. Um, but when it goes to SCOTUS, I'm not so sure. I mean, they gutted the Voting Rights Act. I'm not so sure they wouldn't find a reason right. and that, to overturn the elections. Yep. I hear you. Roger, <laughs> your thoughts? Anyway, hey guys, sorry I'm, about I'm that. I'm going to duck out. Okay. Thanks so much for uh, um, uh, everything. And um, uh, uh, I, I hope I didn't jog you off the track. You were no, going to no, talk no. a little more about Texas. I we're loosey-goosey. So, we go with the flow here on Tuesdays. All right, all right. <laughs> Welcome we back, love you. Thank you. Thanks, Roger. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I know Roger from Minneapolis. When I see the 612 Aww. number, he's, he's been calling lately. So it's cool. I, he's I'm a good so call. glad he called. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so moving on to this Trump thing, telling people he's in contact uh, with, that he expects to get reinstated by August. Okay, so <laughs> Southpaw, I mean, just, That's I insane. can't even, South, I don't even like to give him a platform to say I know, that. But, I know. you know, it, it, we have to listen and we have to, because it's feasible. Mm-hmm. Because, because of everything that's happened. So right. the, um, fact, the, the very fact that Donald Trump somehow became president and spent four years occupying the White House and the Oval yes. Office means anything can happen. Anything. Yes. The most outlandish, ridiculous, yes. insane thing that you would walk out of a movie because it was too ridiculous. It can yes. happen. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, New York Southpaw, who's a lawyer, Mm-hmm. He said, uh, while his loyal party blocks efforts to organize a bipartisan investigation of the late attempt to overthrow the republic, the former president is fantasizing about the next coup and circling dates on the calendar. Uh, yeah, yeah, huh? That's what he's doing. Yeah. And then, um, hold on, what's this? Okay, we got empty wheel coming up next here. Oh. Uh, our, let me, I've got to see. Uh, a writer, political analyst, um, uh, Aria, I'm going to say it wrong, Kovler, said the United States is one Trump statement away from a civil war. Uh-huh. That's been true since November. And if Twitter hadn't taken away his account, it might have actually happened late January. But it's still true now. If he calls for people to rise up, they will. Mm-hmm. So Empty Wheel has a, a several, a, like a multi-parter here. She said, I think it's a grave mistake for people to dismiss Trump's plan to resume power in August as the r- rantings of a madman, as you and I were just saying. She said one reason is um, it's not enough to say he's fantasizing is because Republicans in a slew of states, hello, are taking affirmative steps to eliminate democratic elections. Uh, And Trump is sending uh, envoys out to international allies. I've long said, she says, for example, that Putin doesn't need Trump to be successful. He needs Trump to make the U.S. ungovernable. And Trump has done a superb job of it. What might Putin promise to lead Trump to think he can seize power in August. Back in November, I kept pointing out, this is empty wheel, I kept pointing out that a coup doesn't require the armed military. Trump had militias that could do that, I said, and all he needed from the military non-FBI police was inaction or over-response. The people who lectured me that I was wrong were silent on January 6th. Okay. 
So that's her answer mm -hmm. uh, as to why we should take this seriously well, we and why it's it important seriously. to sometimes mention Trump. Yeah, because I, I agree. I agree. Things happen. Yep. By the way, um, email from Peter. Listener Peter said, hey, Nicole, from what I understand, if you haven't been emailed about it already, Patty Murray had a family emergency that kept her from voting. If it were possible for her to cast some sort of proxy vote, then yes, she deserved a lot of criticism. It is not possible to cast a proxy vote in the Senate. The House has allowed it through COVID, but not the Senate. And and I don't, I, I again, I say it's the opposite. If she didn't have a way to cast a proxy vote and skipped out, then... Um, I don't know what the family emergency was, but, and this sounds horrible and cold and heartless of me, but unless it was somebody dying, seriously, there's nothing more important. This is the future of the democracy. This is our nation, and there was not one vote to spare in the Senate. And then he writes, I'll be very bitter as possible, a prosecutor and sent to jail. Furthermore, I'm much more concerned about the lack of urgency from the leadership, Biden and Schumer, in particular, on getting yes. voting rights and infrastructure passed. They've got to whip their people into line and get them done. Otherwise, they will lose in 22 and 24. And then in all caps and bolded, regardless of what Kai Saperstein says. <laughs> and, and I hope I'm wrong. Symbolic gestures, Tulsa, etc., won't get them done. They've got to wield power like an iron fist. I agree. Yeah, I hear this a lot. I, yep. I agree uh, with, with just about everything, but yep. they've got to get on it hard. Yep. Um, okay, so Brian Karam on this yeah. whole Trump uh -huh. decided he's going to come back in August. He yeah. said, <laughs> I love Brian Karam. He's great. Trump is mentally and physically ill. <laughs> he's grifting his followers for cash. Mm -hmm. His seditious supporters in Congress are using him to amass their own power after he's gone. The White House won't address this directly. The Democrats don't know how to fight this. The country suffers. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. In so many words. Yeah. The thing is, even with Trump gone, we still can't, we can't let down our guard because he's dangerous. Even though he doesn't have the power he used to have, he doesn't have the infrastructure, pardon the, the word. Um, right. It, it, there, there's, it, he still enjoys this cult status. Well, which, yes, he which, has a hold on, on, the party on the republican party which is mind-blowing which is a cult they had exactly. every you know i believe the night of the insurrection the night of january 6th mitch mm -hmm. mcconnell and lindsey graham really believed it was over they yeah. believed that it was done they believed that it was okay now to come out of the closet and be critical of him because no way uh his minions would still be with him and when they saw they were they backtracked Lindsey Graham, his whole speech that night, I'm done. I'm over. Right. I'm out of here. I can't oh, do this no more. And then when he saw that, you know, the, the crazies were still with crazy, he's like, oh, maybe I can still do this. I can do right. this. Ugh. Yeah, well, um, here's a headline for you. Okay. New indictments. This is from Ross Story. New indictments reveal Oath Keepers wanted Antifa to attack rally and give Trump an excuse to declare martial law. Of course, you know, and if you remember, I, I can go back and pull the tape of the show from January 5th. And if I think you were on with me that day, or maybe not, but, was. but, but I, what I was saying is do not go stay home. If you're in the DC yes, area, we both did. Yes, yes, home. yes, yes, yes. Do not yes. go near there because that's what they want. Exactly. We both, we were both screaming that. I yep. remember that vividly. Yep. yep. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and I said that also about, um, I think we both did. 
about uh, Lafayette Square. Um, and there was another, I, there are a couple times I remember thinking this and hoping that people wouldn't show up to certain things. Anywho. Yep. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the New York Times says a hat store in Nashville oh. came under fire oh. for selling yeah. not vaccinated Star of David patches and comparing vaccine passports to the Nazi practice of requesting your your papers. Yeah. And Bearded Stoner said, will they hear about voter ID laws? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. No, that whole thing. By the way, uh, I love this woman with the hat store. Tried to apologize. That didn't go well. So now she's doubling down. Moving off of her Facebook. She cut off all comments. Um, the phone. Really? It, oh, yeah. And and yeah. says she's moving to Gab or one of those, you know, crazy right-wing uh, social oh, media yeah. sites. So that note is up on the, her Facebook page. Her phone the mailbox is full, not accepting any more calls. You, you know, they will. And, and this is what they do. They run and put their heads in the sand. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, they show their true colors with this crap. And yep. and let me double down. And it, this is not aimed at one person who took it very personally when I said, you come at me and tell me that, um, uh, you know, there's not a rise in anti-Semitic incidents uh, in the last month or two. Um, uh, and I'll say, you know, bullshit. I'll tell you, fuck you. Because this kind of shit is happening everywhere. 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 It's happening in Los Angeles. It's happening everywhere. Everywhere. And so t- the person who thought I was talking to her, Susan, I wasn't talking to you. It was just, I've heard that from too many people. And no, it is happening everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, so... um uh, a, a tweeter named I can't A C Y N Asin. Okay. A-C-Y-N? Oh, Asin um yeah, Zune, Z- Z- what Zufeki or something? Is that who? It, it just is? says inter- oh, no. It just, just says Asin. Okay. And then inter- internet hooligan. Okay. And it's a guy. Oh, oh, oh I'm thinking um, of somebody else. So he tweeted a um a clip and it's um on CNN and the host or the anchor says, do you believe your party is moving toward fascism? And Joe, Joe Walsh, you know, who used to be a Republican um, and a representative, he said, it's there. I'm a lifelong Republican. I left the party a year ago because it has become an authoritarian uh, embracing cult. It is fascist. And Nathan Newman, who I will identify in one second, uh, oh, he's a writer with a bunch of places like The Nation, The Prospect. He said, when former House representative and conservative media broadcaster can declare the GOP a fascist party, maybe Dem leaders should recognize and label the GOP that way? Yeah. Um, You know, maybe. maybe. Uh, Look, right now, it's all coming down to Joe Manchin. And somebody's got to do... Joe Biden needs to sit down with Joe Manchin and read him the riot act and say... Okay, what do you want for West Virginia? Do, do you want a, a, a new, like a solar panel um, manufacturing well, that's what that plant? Was Make a deal with them. Right, exactly. But it's going to have to be a hell of a deal. Right, that's so the problem. we're going to train all your coal miners. We're going to repurpose them. They're going to have green new jobs. They're going to yep. be gainfully employed. We'll put the factory in West Virginia. And if you don't do it, you get jack shit. You get nothing. How much are we giving you to mitigate the mountaintop removal shit? You get nothing, nothing, and nothing. Um, By the way, speaking of playing hardball, yeah, I had a dream last night yeah. that Chris Matthews was back on the air, and then I look and I see that Joy Reid's having him on her show today. Another reason not to watch Joy Reid tonight. <laughs> but I mean, how weird is that? Okay, that so is weird. back to because I've got a couple more tweets. Okay. Um, 
Tom Nichols said, just a reminder right. that Mike Flynn, a retired three-star U.S. general, Trump's first national security advisor and later admitted felon, spent the Memorial Day weekend supporting the idea of a violent military overthrow, you know, what you already said. Right. And Miranda uh, Yaver, a PhD, um, she said, okay, but it's not like he tweeted that he hoped people enjoyed the long weekend, so. <gasps> oh, okay. And that's that, referring to Kamala yes. Harris. Okay. So now, oh, shoot, did I lose that page? Damn it. I may not have it up here anymore. Hold on. Um, yeah. Oh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, right, and look. then just while you're looking, Go Andrew ahead. Feinberg is saying that Flynn says he didn't endorse, uh, endorse Mira, um, Myanmar-style coup, and Andrew Feinberg says, there's a recording, you stupid <laughs> people, in big caps. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying ears? Um, exactly. This is gaslighting. This is yeah. the dictionary definition of gaslighting. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so Kamala Harris tweeted something out like, have a wonderful holiday weekend, right? That's what she said. And right. Fox, not news, puts out a tweet. Wait, I got to bring this up for those who are watching on video. This is astounding. So, yeah. Okay, so here's Fox Not News. They tweet out, disgusting disrespect, all in capitals. Vice President Kamala Harris ignites outrage over misfire Memorial Day tweet. And what did she do? What was so disrespectful? She just said, have a wonderful long holiday weekend? Because she ignored the military thing, right? And then 22 minutes later, that same Fox Not News Twitter account posts Mm -hmm. this one. Cheers! Memorial Day weekend, twenty twenty one cocktail trends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's red, white, and blue drinks. Cluster Are you Fox. Fucking kidding me! I mean, yeah. the, the, I'm sorry. The hypocrisy is anyone who doesn't see it is blind. Oh, everybody sees it. They just some like it and some hate it. Okay, so. Um, Alex Kaplan of Media Matters said the QAnon event is now urging attendees to falsely claim on social media that Flynn did not endorse a military coup. And LOL GOP said, you'll be shocked to learn Republicans are now covering up another threatened coup that happened in public. Oh, my God. So they're saying he didn't say it. We have it on tape. Do you need what Andrew Feinberg said? Okay. Oh, here's uh, here's one more uh, I have left. And that is from. Mrs. Betty Bowers, and uh, this is from Memorial Day, and and she, he, it's really a he on that account, said, thanks to all the veterans who gave their lives overseas so we could be free to give our lives back home to all the unbalanced Americans who fill their (laughs) homes and car trunks with firearms. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in case you need to hear it again, here is um, Mike Flynn agreeing with the person who says we need a Myanmar-style coup. The most open generation. Oops, of- oh, wrong one. <laughs> that was Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Here's, here's Flynn. Ah. I want yeah. No reason. I mean, it, it should happen. No reason. But that's right. It should happen. No reason why it shouldn't is what he said. And I have one more from Sarah Reese Jones okay. of Politicus. She said, um, Representative Trey Martinez Fisher, a Democrat in San Antonio, points out that if Greg Abbott refuses to pay the Texas legislature, he will hurt the Republican lieutenant governor and the Republican speaker of the House, who are the two highest compensated (laughs) people in the legislature. Yeah. You know, most legislators, state legislators, that's like a part-time job. They don't make a lot of money. So it's not going to be hurting them so much. I mean, I'm sure everyone can use an extra 25, 30 grand, but, you know... not, not even many the, people I think can they live can make on. like ten thousand. It could be. It very well could be. Nothing. But the, but the but the other people that you mentioned, the full timers, 
that's their salary. That's what they live on. Yes, um, yes. The whole thing is just, it's its disgusting. It is yes, sickening. It is. It's gross. So, so let's go drinking. You're too far away, God damn it! I don't want to be that far away from you. I know. So come to Florida. I can't afford no, to move I, to California. I want to go to Canada. Canada upped up their vaccination, so I'm hoping they'll open the border sooner than later. Now. Well, let's hope because, you know, it, we're They're doing way well up there here. Now. We're doing well here. All right. Yeah. Um, on, on, that, uh, on, on that note, we're done. Got to laugh. We're She's so back. Uh, talk we to are you. well done. Yay. We are. <laughs> Stick a fork in it because we're done. All right. See you later, Laffy. <clears throat> Bye. Bye. Until next time. <laughs> all right. And now. All right. I, I, I pause for a beat to let, um, you know, to let uh, uh, progressive voices end. And now that they're, they've ended, I will give you today's What's News. See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye. I read the news today. Oh, boy. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Crowds gathered in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Monday to mark the 100th anniversary of the city's 1921 race massacre in which white mobs killed as many as 300 black people and destroyed 35 square blocks of a prosperous community, the Greenwood District in Tulsa, which became known as Black Wall Street. Black World War I veterans fought to defend the neighborhood against white attackers, many of whom were deputized and armed by the city. Adding insult to extreme injury, the city and the state denied the massacre for decades. President Biden declared a day of remembrance before visiting on Tuesday as excavation resumes on a mass grave possibly connected to the massacre. In conjunction with the trip, the Biden administration Tuesday morning announced initiatives designed to close the racial wealth gap. They include a proposed rule by Housing and Urban Development to counter discriminatory housing practices, as well as an effort to address inequities in home appraisals. The administration is also planning to increase the share of federal contracts that go to small, disadvantaged businesses to 50 percent over the next five years. The White House says that will provide an additional $100 million to those businesses. On Monday, Memorial Day, President Biden paid tribute to the nation's war dead at Arlington National Cemetery, laying a wreath and calling fallen service members the soul of America. Biden was joined by First Lady Jill Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, where Biden called on Americans to remember those who gave their lives to protect U.S. democracy and to rise above partisan division. It was an unusual statement for a Memorial Day observation, but in these times, necessary. Democracy itself is in peril. Here at home and around the world, what we do now, what we do now, how we honor the memory of the fallen will determine whether or not democracy will long endure. Democracy thrives when the infrastructure of democracy is strong. When people have the right to vote freely and fairly and conveniently, when a free and independent press pursues the truth founded on facts, not propaganda. When the rule of law applies equally and fairly to every citizen, 
regardless of where they come from, what they look like. President Biden obviously needed to sound that alarm as one particularly loud and misinformed contingent seems to be slipping further from the grasp of reality. For instance, take Michael Flynn, who served briefly as the former guy's first national security advisor. During a QAnon event in Dallas, Flynn appeared to express support for a Myanmar-style coup in the United States. I want to know why what happened in Myanmar can't happen here. No reason. I mean, it should happen here. No reason. That's right. No reason, he said. I mean, it should happen here. Those comments obviously sparked an uproar and condemnation from both sides of the aisle. So, of course, on Monday, in a post on the social media platform Telegram, Flynn backtracked on his comments and wrote, Let me be very clear. In caps, there is no reason whatsoever for any coup in America, and I do not and have not at any time called for any action of that sort. He continued, any reporting of any other belief by me is a bold-faced fabrication based on twisted reporting at a lively panel at a conference of patriotic Americans who love this country just as I do. And he keeps going. Listen for the gaslighting. It's epic. I am no stranger to media manipulating my words, and therefore let me repeat my response to a question asked at the conference. There is no reason it, a coup, should happen here, in parentheses, in America. Wow, Mikey, gaslighting much? Let's listen again to what he actually said. I want to know why what happened in Myanmar can't happen here. It's Myanmar. No reason. I mean, it should happen. No reason. That's right. Yeah, he agreed with the questioner to say there's no reason it shouldn't happen here. Who's calling what fake? Okay, moving right along. Texas made news over the holiday weekend and not in a good way. The Lone Star State has become the next battleground in the voting rights fight after state Democrats successfully derailed a new restrictive voting bill by walking off the floor late Sunday night. That action left the Republican majority without the quorum they needed to do any business, including approving the bill before the midnight deadline. Now, that bill would have made mail-in voting more difficult. It would have banned early voting on Sunday mornings as an obvious attempt to derail the very popular souls to the polls. And it would prohibit local election officials from sending out absentee ballot applications to anyone who has not specifically requested one. The measure may be dead for now, but Governor Greg Abbott made it clear that he's not backing down. He said Monday that he'd withhold state lawmakers' pay for walking out. Oh, come on. States like Georgia and Florida have already passed similarly restrictive voting measures based on falsehoods promoted by the former guy that the outcome of the 2020 presidential election was somehow fraudulent. Democrats called on Congress and President Biden to counter state attempts to restrict voting rights. Something's got to be done. And although the losers are trying to paint our electoral system as broken, Let's look at Israel. It only took Netanyahu losing at the polls three times in a row, or was it four, 
Either way, Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year tenure as Prime Minister of Israel could finally be coming to an end. With three previous failed attempts by others to form a new government, it looks like fourth time is a charm. Now, two political rivals announced that they're working toward forming a new government in the Knesset, that's Israel's parliament. Naftali Bennett, the leader of the small right-wing party, Yamina, said that he's working toward a coalition deal with the centrist party leader, Yar Lapid, to avoid a fifth round of elections. If successful, Netanyahu, who faces an ongoing trial on bribery and fraud charges, will be ousted as Israel's longest-serving prime minister. Lapid now needs to reach and sign for the dissolved. Parliament then has a week to vote on the coalition agreements before the new government and a new Israeli prime minister can be sworn in. The first foreign athletes began arriving in Japan on Tuesday ahead of the Tokyo Olympics, despite intensifying calls to cancel the Games due to the ongoing threat of the coronavirus. Among the first to arrive were members of Australia's softball team. They'll remain isolated on three floors of a hotel outside of Tokyo until the Games begin on June 23rd. A new poll by the Nikkei newspaper found that 63% of respondents were opposed to going ahead with the Games due to the threat that athletes and officials would bring in new strains of the virus from other parts of the world. Stay tuned. Speaking of athletes, tennis star Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open on Monday, saying she would, quote, take some time away from the court after being fined $15,000 and threatened with more sanctions because she refused to attend a mandatory press conference after she won in the first round. Osaka wrote a lengthy statement saying she didn't want to be a distraction, so, quote, the best thing for the tournament, the other players, and my well-being is that I withdraw. Wow. The 23-year-old Osaka said that she had struggled with depression after her first big win in 2018 and got, quote, huge waves of anxiety whenever she was forced to speak with the international media. The president of the French Tennis Federation said that the tournament's organizers were sorry and sad for Osaka and wished her the quickest possible recovery. All right. You knew this was coming. Tensions are rising again. Russia said Monday it would send, quote, uncomfortable signals to the United States ahead of next month's scheduled summit between President Biden and Vladimir Putin. The warning came a day after Biden said he'd press Putin to respect human rights at their meeting on June 16th in Geneva. Relations between Washington and Moscow have deteriorated following U.S. allegations of Russian attempts to influence America's elections in 2016 and 2020. And, of course, that Russian military buildup near Ukraine. And things got really tense over Russia's jailing of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Russia's deputy foreign minister, Sergei Rybakov, was quoted by the RIA news agency saying Russia would respond to Biden's remarks on human rights. And finally, the United Nations Climate Office in Bonn, Germany, on Monday launched three weeks of climate talks. But due to pandemic restrictions, they'll all be virtual meetings. So depending on geography, some participants will be attending sessions either before dawn or late at night. So it's obviously far from ideal. But 
It is important. Negotiators will focus on rules for international carbon markets, providing aid to developing nations, and other unresolved issues stemming from the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. The talks are seen as a key step in preparing for the UN Climate Summit happening in Glasgow, Scotland in November. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that donate button.